0: Listener production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis and I'm Cecilia Ramsdow. Welcome to the Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn, and live better.
1: So, here we are with another episode of the Wellness Collective, and ordinarily I would read to you a little bit of a summary of what we've talked about. Not doing that today because Got to take notes, but I think it's important to understand in this episode you're going to learn why as parents it's really important that we put ourselves first. Why well, that's also a bit cliche, it's very true. But the thing that really stood out for both Cecilia and I was how to support our kids through hard times and really how to help them navigate and build resilience. But that comes from our own experiences as parents and what we teach them. So we know you're going to love this episode, and here it is. We just were doing a little little bit of a pre-roll banter Mm. and what do we say? (laughs) We're just going to have a chat and then we're going to get into you. Yeah. (laughs) That's not awkward at all for our guest today. (laughs) (laughs) Breaks Um, the ice, that's what I say. Yeah, you know. There's been um, a few icebreakers lately, hasn't there? Well, we need a bit of that in our life. We oh. need a bit of a
0: giggle straight up. Surely, though, I reckon it's it's a, a matter of we've lived through a collective bizarro land in the last 18 months, so we need to lighten the load.
1: Plus, as you get older, you give less
0: of a shit, let's face it. <laughs> really? Don't uh, you think?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do think, yes. Yeah,
0: yes. and if you've got Children, maybe not, even if you have children, but I don't know, you sort of look at it and you go, oh,
1: whatever. Whatever.
0: Don't sweat the small stuff on a big scale. No. Yeah, so our guest today, clearly she's going to have to have a sense of humour to carry on with the mood that we're in.
1: And uh, she's joining us from across the ditch. Yes, across the ditch. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much, Hannah, for joining us today. Would you like to just, for our guests that don't know of you, let them know who you are.
2: Sure. Well, I'm really happy to be here from across the (laughs) Dutch. So my name is Hannah Davison, and I'm the author and co-founder of um, the range of books called My Big Moments. And we make personalised kids' books to help little people through big moments. So um, those are things like uh, getting ready for a new sibling, um, going to school, grief and loss, um, building resilience, and going to hospital. So that's our range Mm. at the moment. And Yeah, they're all personalised online, so your child can be in there with their name and an avatar that looks like them, and they go in there and then they help their friend who's the main character through their difficult situation, um, coming up with all these cool ideas and activities to do that. So uh, we've developed it with um, child uh, development experts and uh, neuroscience educators, uh, play therapists, child psychologists, so that the the things that we uh, demonstrate in the books and the activities and tools that we demonstrate in the books for the kids to take on are actually really credible and are really going to help families through their situation.
1: Have you um, up- upscaled or added to the collection pandemic? <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's, there's an so, opening there's, there for sure. There's an opening oh, there. There's, yeah. a, there's, there's definitely an opening there. I don't know yeah. that you
1: can help your friend through the pandemic though. It's like how do we do this together? <laughs> yeah, Yeah. for children it's been particularly hard Um insecurity or the uncertainty the the fact that you know I've left my two kids at home today who that shouldn't really happen i feel to <laughs> home learn <laughs> i feel like that's a bit of but what else are we supposed to like, i never would have done that before no way no, no. Yeah. but they would have been at school so you know it's a whole set that's of circumstances but that that's it, like, i'm going to work now you two do some schoolwork at home okay let's see how that goes <laughs> and we, we just had a phone call of yeah. Jordy asking what? my son asking what are you if he could come back too? <laughs> right well i oh, oh i did share that last week that was pretty hilarious but um I just w- hung up the phone, Cecilia was privileged to that conversation of Geordie asking if 11 o'clock was too early to have lollies and I'm like, get out of the pantry and go and do some schoolwork. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. we can laugh yeah, about it but it is heavy for kids. A lo- these yeah. big, big moments that you talk about are scary and that's yeah. why you've obviously created that. But what that's prompted why. that for you?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess just a just to touch on the pandemic um, briefly before I um, go into how that all started. Um, I think for kids, you know, it can be, this can be really good or really bad for kids because on the one hand, if you have a parent who is feeling um, confident and secure and, you know, they're, they're keeping that ship steady and then that child also has that person a lot more to themselves that's actually a really positive experience because they've got access to a parent who is seemingly completely fine and um, feeling good about it and being positive about what's happened, what's happening and being confident. Um, that, that kid's absolutely fine. But for the child whose parent is feeling um, anxious, stressed, maybe down, insecure, um, other life stresses going on caused by the pandemic, those children are going to be more at risk um, from trauma from this experience. So, you know, it's, it can be a really mixed bag for them. Um, and I think as parents, the best thing you can do is make sure you're really looking after your own wellbeing so that you are emotionally as stable as you can be, um, managing your life as best as you can be, creating predictability for those kids so that that child is picking up on what you're giving out. Mm. And, you know, it's hard because people are juggling you know, working from home and, and all sorts of things. Um, but there is a the potential there for this to be a really good resilience building experience for kids or it can be a destructive experience as well or somewhere, so or a bit of a mixed bag. I think know? it's a
0: day-by-day prospect, really, because yeah. if you look at the trauma of not being able to be at school with your friends, I mean, you're in New Zealand and you haven't had to experience it quite to the level of the rest of the world, so not you're to very the same lucky. Degree, no. um, yeah. But even trying to... Factor in not being able to play basketball with your team when you had a game scheduled or, um, you know, just going to school, just going to yeah. school and having that and routine kids, in your that's life. Such a, it's a yes, really difficult yeah. thing afraid- for them to process.
2: Yeah, in fact, for me, you know, we're in school holidays over here now and I find that lack of routine throws me a bit. You know, I love having that routine. It keeps me on track. I know what's coming up. I know what we need to do, where we need to be. Everything's very predictable. And then without that routine, it does really throw you. And I think, you know, for younger kids, um, having that access to the parent and, and maybe not being around school is not as big of a deal than it is for kids that are getting a little bit older where that um, – that social life becomes really, really integral to their well-being. Yeah. So mm. anyway, um, let me go wine back. <laughs> I'll just the damn pandemic—it <laughs> always takes
0: over
1: everything, doesn't it? I go on. Well, oh, I said something the other it's just week. In your face. No, yeah. I did something the other week. I can't remember what it was or where we were. It was it was pre-lockdown. And I walked away, and there was not one conversation about (laughs) COVID and the lockdown. And I was so excited. I was like, oh my goodness, we just managed without even thinking about it to have a normal, like, I just, I was very, very happy. It was very 2019
0: of you. Very great. So great. (laughs) So tell us, Hannah, what was the event that made you look at this kind of work?
2: Yeah, so um, it really started uh, back in 2016 and, you know, so much has happened, but that time's gone very quickly and I I can't believe, you know, we're going to be coming up five years since this started. It's just shot past. Um, But I was actually in Sydney for a writing course and I made a good amount of time with um, with my dear friend Flicka Williams, who's now my business partner, to go and have a girls' lunch. You know, we just factored that in. Um, And while we were out, we both like quite new mums at that point. We were talking about the real feeling of, of being overwhelmed and feeling quite isolated um, in that experience of new parenthood uh, and also not really having that sense of our village around us or what we should do. There was a sense of, you know, this is the most important job that we've got and I think we're kind of winging it, you know, is this, is this can we do better than this? Um, and we'd come up with this idea during the course of the afternoon to to do personalised books um, to help kids through milestones and events because we thought, look, that's the thing that we would find really helpful um, that would really reassure us as parents, especially if they're backed by research and, um, you know, and expert advice. So we thought, well, look, we can do this. I'm a writer. You've got a graphic design branding background. She was really interested in the um, technical digital side of that, how we can personalise it. Um, for each child and, and get it out. And I was really interested in the story. We still needed an illustrator, but we're like, this, is, this seems like such a good idea. I don't know why anyone hasn't done this. <laughs> and then <laughs> over the course of the years, as it became this beast of a thing that we were trying to create, we're like, yeah, it's such a simple idea. Um, <laughs> um, so that's how we came up with it. That was the initial idea, but funnily enough, um, five or six weeks after that conversation that we'd had together, uh, I was affected by the Kaikoura earthquake in New Zealand and the epicentre was 10 kilometres from our house. Wow. It was 7.8 wow. magnitude. We were on the second story of an old wooden farmhouse and it was like being in a tiny dinghy in an incredibly rough sea. It was horrific. And so we, um, we were out that night with the kids over our shoulders. They were My daughter was not quite two. My son was not quite four. And that was the last night we were in our house. We were out that night into the world, not even a pair of on, you know, and um, having to deal with with a massive amount of damage and trauma from that experience. So that, that experience really um, made me think, actually, these books are more than just milestone books. Um, these are actually books that can genuinely help people turn what could be quite a traumatic experience into a resilience-building experience and help people prepare for... Um, events they know that are coming, but also help people work with kids with events that are happening suddenly to them. So that's where it really changed because I was I was working with my kids as they were experiencing their trauma, you know, which came in the form of just trying to process the event that they'd been through, but also understanding what their bodies had done, the the, the reaction that they went into when they went into shock. So I remember driving along to preschool one day with my son and he said, And this was months afterwards, and he said, Mum, when I'm really scared, my teeth go up and down really, really fast. And so you don't know sometimes actually what's even going on in there and what they're still trying to figure out and process. And it was really just knowing or understanding that we just had to stop and slow down and talk about what all these things were because they'd had a really, really big experience at a very young age. And how are they to know? They've got no context for how unusual this is. how are they to know how to handle that and how to process that? So that's where it it really became um, personal for me and really important for me that actually we can help people not hold on to trauma that they can then later repeat, you know, as or manifest, you know, as mental illness or bodily conditions mm-hmm. that actually they understand how to put words around the the experiences that they've had, the emotions that they've got and and process those or have techniques and coping strategies for working through what they're experiencing in their their lives.
1: I think you're so right. I went through a phase of seeing a lot of children that were presenting with precocious puberty and once all of the more serious um, contributors like pituitary issues or tumours or those sorts of things were ruled out um, for each of these patients that I'd seen, and it's really so funny because you tend to see a group of, like, mm, so many of the cluster. same. Yeah, there you we do. go. <coughs> the word again. It's like, the word again. And so what was interesting was that once that was all ruled out and doctors had said, well, there's nothing that we can really do. We could put them on a steroid. Parents didn't really want them on a steroid because basically the doctors were saying, look, there's no damage that's going to be done by this. But we were talking about four and five and six-year-olds going through puberty. And the one, and I do believe there needs to be much more research in this area, but the one consistent thing that I was able to see with all of these children was that they'd had some type of trauma as a younger child. And so it had activated the adrenals to mature too early because they didn't have the coping mechanisms that they needed to, and we're all different as well. Kids are obviously, we're all, as humans, we're all different. So you know, it's not to say that one child that went through that 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 would happen to, but in, in the perfect storm, um, th- that's sort of what was presenting for these children, and it was fascinating. And so, my job basically was to try and back up the buggy when it came to that succession with what would then follow from the adrenals, then communicating with their reproductive organs to start to um, transition through puberty. Oh. <laughs> Sorry about that. That gave me a fright. <laughs> it's the, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I was about to give the
0: postman a fright as well. I don't think we've ever had that happen before.
2: Yeah. I mean, I shut the cats outside, so I thought, well, I won't have a meow issue, but um, <laughs> yes. I just didn't account for the postman turning up at the wrong moment. That's
1: so <laughs> right. funny. Um, but you know, it's very interesting to see. And, and when you said, you know, bodily issues, when it comes to. Um, kids. That was one thing that I was consistently seeing over a period of time. It's just fascinating. And I think if that's been you or you're worried about it, it is so important that we, A, recognize, because often in trauma, the default is to just keep going. Like, Mm. I just need to survive. So I just need to keep going. And at what point do we actually start to recognize what we've been through uh, to make sure that moving forward, that we have been able to process things.
2: Yeah. And I, I, I found that certainly in myself, um, <clears throat> after the earthquake, there was so much to do. I mean, we were on a farm. Um, there were Every single house had some amount of damage. There was, I mean, the, the insurance claims, dealing with the insurance company and everything, it was huge. And I just, you know, and I, I think afterwards, I was just absolutely running on adrenaline so fast um, and then about six months, four, four to six months afterwards, I, um, ended up with adrenal fatigue. And so because I hadn't stopped, um, eventually my body just stopped me right. and then, and then you, the choice is taken away. You know, at some point you can push and push and push and push, but at some point your body is just going to say no. And you, I, I, I learned that you've got to listen to the whispers before it starts to shout at you. And so, I like that. yeah, I, I just had to. I had to change the way that I was operating because the way that I had always operated in the past wasn't working for me anymore. And um, so then it it became a real focus on, okay, well, you know, what am I putting into my body? How am I treating my body? How am I getting the rest that I need? You know, am I having too much caffeine, too much alcohol? Am I getting exercise? Can I do some meditation? Can I do some yoga? Can I, you know, what can I actually do to restore myself? Because I got to the point where I, i there wasn't any choice but to to attend to that um, and then l- to go on to incorporate those practices in life and prioritise them instead of just go, 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 go all the time because then, you know, then it becomes preventative and then you've also got coping strategies that you can fall back on and those are traits of resilience because resilience isn't just about, resilience has, has got nothing to do with being strong. Resilience is about um, finding a way to see way forward and just taking little steps to get there because it's about having strategies and tools and things that you can do and people you can go to um when you need to be resilient is not you don't feel strong at that point when you need to draw on your resilience you actually feel broken and so that's when if you go I know you know I've got a toolbox of these things I know I can talk to this person I know I can I've got yoga or meditation or you know a therapist or something I can do for my health. I know I can do those things. And it gives you a sense of agency and power in that situation instead of feeling helpless and powerless that, you know, I feel broken inside and out and I don't know what to do about it. Mm.
0: I saw a woman, um, coping strategies are different for everyone. Yours are healthy and wholesome and what most of us deal with. But I did see a woman leaving the supermarket the other day with a litre and a half of Smirnoff and a roast chicken. And I thought... (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'm just telling you the coping strategy I've got that I'm proud of
0: <laughs> I love that combination I was like yeah no I, I can see how I that it. works yeah I get it yeah. uh, <laughs> no judgment whatsoever in fact I was just waiting for an invitation um <laughs> So I love that you have talked about that and your children going through the trauma because I think um, it is important that you provide the, the safe place for your children to, to come to and you, you, know, you be the example of how to navigate the pitfalls of life. But I think given that for the most of the world has been navigating a pandemic for 18 months or however long it is, there have definitely been moments, and I'm sure there were with your, the earthquake experience as well, where you just you just have to let it all hang out and they see oh, yeah. you and they yeah. see you express that emotion and i actually think that's really healthy as well and I agree. kids have a very good bs filter they can see it a mile off especially in their parents so if you're not authentic with them i mean authentic yeah. is one of those words isn't it but if you're not truthful with them and you say yeah i'm feeling i'm just feeling really sad today or you know, I'm just really tired and I can't, I just need a moment or whatever it is, you don't have to go into too much detail but you've got to give them the truth.
2: That's right. And and I think, um, well, I've got a real good pandemic story story for you now because um, my marriage actually broke up just before lockdown. So we, we locked down, um, we were slightly ahead of the curve of, you know, of, of people breaking up during that time and um, so we locked down together um Ugh, fun so,
0: let's break up yeah. let's stay in the, same, stay house. In the
2: same house <laughs> so and that's an incredibly emotionally charged incredibly turbulent time um there's so much going on there and and we were all in there together so um obviously we were really conscious of what the kids were and weren't seeing but sometimes you can't you can't Hide that no. you can't hide what's going on, and you do have to be honest about it, um, d- in, an, in an age-appropriate way, and in, in a way that, that they understand. You know, just tell them what they're looking at. Yeah, mummy's feeling a little bit upset today. Um, I'm not feeling that great right now, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I think I'm going to go for a little walk, and um, I might call mum. And and I know those things will help me feel a wee bit better. So at least you know you can be honest with them, and. I think it's really good for them to see your humanity. Mm. Obviously, don't do not do like the ugly cry on the floor in front of them.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, and making sure that they know that they don't have to fix
2: it because right.
0: that can no. be a really difficult yeah, thing for kids. That's
2: right. Yeah, that's I, right. I, I
1: do. And, I think and, and
2: they need to see you be accountable for, um, for your behaviour and for your emotions and also take responsibility for the steps you're going to take to get back on track.
1: Yeah, I do see this. My husband, I've shared this before, grew up in a family where they never argued in front of him. They never, like, so he just knew that it was always happy. And what's interesting with that is that it's taken him a long time to work out that that's not life. And when (laughs) we first had our very first argument, he was like, oh, well, that's it then for us, is it? And I'm like, what? Like, Oh you got the wrong person here. <laughs> if you think that's how this is going to go. But what's really interesting is that that's that's he still shuts down with the conflict. He doesn't like it. He doesn't know what to do with it because as a child, he never had to have there was never any gauge on it. It was just always fine. So I think that that's really important that yeah. kids get to navigate that and and be able to um recognize that it's that's not reality.
2: Yeah, well, very similar to your husband. My parents, um, who are no longer together now, I never saw them argue. Mm. I never saw um, confrontation. I never saw uh, conflict, or more importantly, I never saw conflict resolution. So as I grew up and then experienced conflicts, I found that extremely stressful. You know, that was really, really stressful for me. Um, So actually, I I agree. I think it's really important to, to see it. And, you know, conflict and conflict resolution is that's resilience building for kids because it's okay for there to be ruptures and there's going to be ruptures. People are going to get annoyed. You live with each other. You're going to get annoyed with each other, but it's fine so long as they also see the repair and mm. then they can learn how to repair it. And in fact, you know, my kids, um, they're allowed to say whatever they like to me within within reason, but you know, I will take feedback from them. And um, the other night I was getting, my son to try on his ski gear because we're going to go on a ski trip in the school holidays. I don't want to rub it in for you guys who can't go anywhere. (laughs) Um, But, (laughs) sorry, Um, but he was mucking around. I wanted him to finish doing that and go and get in the bath. And so I kind of lost my temper. And he's like, Mom, I'm doing it. And then he goes, No can we agree not to yell at one another? But oh, wow. <laughs> <That's pretty. laughs> I said, yes, we can. We can agree not to yell at one another. I apologise for that. And then I had to remind him again and he goes, well, at least you didn't yell this time. Uh, Fair enough. So funny.
1: We had a confrontation, my husband and I, and my husband likes to, he just <laughs> keeps pushing the same point over and over and over and over again. So resolution eventually comes, but it does take a long while. And I've just learned that he needs to do that. Like he actually needs to do it. So it's, so frustrating but anyway so we had this argument the other week and the kids were in bed but they could hear us because I was in (laughs) one room and he was in the other and we were kind of like and you know yelling down the hallway and then we got to a point where we did find resolution so then we kept talking about it but we were talking between the kids and so what the funniest part the point of the story is the next morning I said to the kids oh I'm sorry if you were felt like last night that was kind of difficult for you guys, Um, obviously... And my daughter goes, well, Dad just said the same thing over and over and over again. And I said, well, can you understand why I'm frustrated, right? And then I said, yeah, right? And then I said, you can understand why I'm frustrated. I'm really sorry you had to hear all of that. I don't think that that was necessarily would have felt very nice. And they said, no, we pretty much just sat in our bedroom and laughed at both of you the entire time because it was actually hilarious. You kept talking about the same thing over and over again, and it was actually just really funny and frustrating. And obviously, we resolved it, but it was so funny to hear that perspective mm-hmm. of theirs that, A, they were like, yeah, that's just what dad's like and feel sorry actually for mum. I was like, yeah, I, I feel like that's a win for me. <laughs> and and the time. fact that they laughed because there was a solution and it was in the end it was, yeah. you know, it was a silly argument over uh, over something random but it, it still needed to be processed and I think that's important. Yeah. In hindsight, I at the time felt really bad when I woke up the next morning but once I spoke to them, they are like, oh, no, that was really funny and, you know, you sorted it out so it's all good. It's interesting. Now, mm. what did you have to say? Because we're both waiting for your story. Oh no, it's well,
0: it's a lot of build up now. <laughs> I
1: am an only <laughs> child, and
0: so and I grew up in a household where my parents never fought, and I never really got in trouble. I think I got grounded when I was sixteen for something a friend of mine did. So that's a whole other story. But that was like the only time I ever got in trouble because it was just pretty boring in a nice way. Yes, yeah, no. But no, like, heated arguments. I loved going to friends' houses where they had lots of sisters and they'd have that, like, yelling match about a hairbrush and stuff. Sharon, where's my hairbrush? You know, that kind of thing.
1: It's very interesting. Because it never
0: happened in my house. So when my kids fight, I have a girl and a boy, and they punch on, they have, like, a cage match happening in the trampoline, full (laughs) fists and kicks and the whole bit. And I just dismay and it really... It makes me feel really sad and awful that they treat each other that That's way. It's normal, though. This is what my daughter said to me the other day. Mum, you don't get it. You don't have <laughs> siblings, so you just don't understand. Well, there you go. Like, All right, well, then you take yourself to the hospital when your brother's kicked you in the head.
1: Well, I think it's pretty normal, <laughs> normal for kids to fight. Mine fight too. But oh. it's interesting that you say this because at the moment, we're in lockdown, obviously, but the neighbor's child, they're full-time um, workers but working from home, and so we've been sharing schooling. And... What's interesting is he's an only child and so yesterday mm. he wanted something and I said no, but then he's rung his mum and she said yes and then I'm like, I bet you that's just a, it was a very mild thing, but I bet <laughs> you there's a lot of yeses on that side of the fence and there's probably a lot of noes on this <laughs> side of the fence. And and then the same thing, he probably loves being there, even though my children mm. are very often involved in a wrestling match. Totally, yeah. Oh, the joys, yeah. I tell you. Yeah. I tell you. <laughs> um, before we let you go...
0: I just want to touch on this idea of adult logic versus child logic because I, as a parent, really struggle with it because I've always treated my children as little adults. I never spoke to me. You know, there's people that speak down to their little, like, toddlers and stuff. I just always spoke to them like they were, you know, (laughs) a peer. And so they've both got great vocabularies. But yeah. I do sometimes fall over because I expect them to be able to process things in a much more mature way than they actually are able to.
2: Yeah. and no, I, I, I talk to my children like they're little mini adults as well because I think a lot of that is, is respecting that their experience is, is valid and um, even though they have a small frame of reference and the experiences that they've had in their life are obviously a lot more narrow than ours – everything that they're feeling and, and thinking and experiencing is very real and important for them. And I think, you know, you, you have to give that some respect and appreciation. But this, um, this adult logic versus child logic chasm really um, became very real for me when um, I was explaining to the kids, you know, during our breakup, I had to explain about the fact that we were going to be moving, there were going to be two homes and so I obviously, you know, being in the business that I'm in, I did my research and I thought I'd figure it all out. I thought, okay, this is what they need to know. They need to know about the practicalities, how this is this going to affect them on a practical level? Um, you know, where, where are things going to be? That sort of thing. So I, start, I started to explain about, you know, you're going to have two homes. And then my daughter who was five then, she just burst into hysterical tears. And I thought, oh my God, what have I done? You know, um, this was out of character for her as well. And um, we went on and, and later once I had moved, we were, the kids and I were sitting around the dinner table and I said, look guys, you know, we've been through a lot of changes this past couple of years, haven't we? We've moved house because of the earthquake and we moved house to a building a house and now we've moved house again and we live here. How, you know, how are you feeling about this? And um, my daughter said, oh mum, you know when I cried when you told us that we were having two homes? She said, I thought that's because you meant that me and Alex, her brother, were gonna live in one house and you and dad were going to live in the other house. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, no wonder. I would have been devastated if I'd had to just live with my sibling <laughs> in one house. And I said, oh, that must have been really scary for you. Um, and so, and then, then I understood. it. And because we have this, we have everything in context as adults and we, we know what's going on. We know what's coming up. We're organising everything. We have control over so much about our environment and our um, futures and our experiences. And kids are just rolling with it. There's so much that they don't understand or, or just are beginning to understand for the first time. We have to realise how explicitly we need to give context around different situations and experiences. And I, I had that made me think really, really carefully about the clarity. And Like I still speak to them as if, you know, they are, they are little adults in training, um, but I'm very explicit around particular details now that I think, if I didn't already understand the context of this, you know, what what might I imagine? Mm. And yeah, and so that that really was was true for me. The, their frame of reference is just small, but it doesn't mean that their experiences aren't just as valid and and intense, if not more intense than ours. Um, so I think, especially with um with their emotional reactions, uh, it makes me think about how you know, sometimes they, they will blow up over something seemingly ridiculous. Um, but we still have to treat that emotional experience with respect because that emotional experience, regardless of what it's over, is very real for them. And so that's where it's so important, particularly psychologically in terms of the um, stress reaction that they get, that we validate their experience and that we name that emotion because that will calm the brain stem and allow them to get back on track more quickly.
0: Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I've got a little man who if we say, oh, we're going, doesn't matter where it is, we're going to the zoo. He'll go, I don't want to go. And it was really frustrating. We've had, you know, big family fights about this because we'd be really excited about an experience that we'd set up and we'd organize and pay a lot of money and all the stuff that you do when you're the grown up and you think the kids are going to love it. And then the reaction is, I don't want to do that.
2: So it's really insulting, you know. How do you? I've gone to all this trouble. You know, it just reminds me when I was a kid, you know, and my parents would, yeah, you know, I must have done something like that and they have it on more than one occasion and your parents turn around and they go, oh, boy, you have to enjoy yourself, you know. <laughs> yeah. <But> it, <laughs> no
0: one's it, having a good time. No, no one's having a good time. But it took us a long time to realise that it was actually his anxiety about the unknown, so once you sat down and you'd say, well, okay, so we're going to go at 10 o'clock and we're going to meet such and such and we're going to, you know, we'll take the car and explain the sort of process and what might happen, he'd be okay with it. Yeah, but that unknown yeah. or and also letting him have some agency. So if he'd say, well, can I have hot chips when we're there? Okay, you can have hot chips. So then he's got a bit of control over what's happening. Yeah. But, yeah, for such a long time it was this like, oh, this is so frustrating because we're trying to give you a life full of experiences and joy and you don't want it. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. wh- why? Want it, kid? Want it? You do want it.
1: <laughs> <Eat the laughs> ch- you don't yourself. know what you
0: want. <laughs> yeah.
2: But I suppose, you know, that's, yeah, that's yeah. where um, the books are particularly helpful and that um, they're designed to create predictability and give kids a bit of agency in that situation and give them things that they know that they can do that they can be in control of in that situation. Mm. So, you know, when kids have predictability around something, they're going to go on feeling more confident, more secure. They're not going to be going in a fight or flight, or if they are feeling anxious, they're going to be able to get over it much more quickly. And I suppose, you know, especially things like starting school, where that's an environment that, that we understand the concept of school, but you say... To a kid who has never been to the school and doesn't have an older sibling, are you excited about starting school? They don't know what school is. Mm. You know, how do they know if they should be excited? They don't know what the environment is like, who is going to be there, who's going to look after them. And so, you know, these books help create predictability. They help open conversations with kids and their parents and they help draw out what their specific anxieties actually are. So then you've got a chance to alleviate those and mitigate those before they're confronted with a situation that they're going to need to cope with.
1: Awesome. So we've talked them up. Where are we going to yeah. find the books? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: um, if people if go to mybigmoments.com, um, they will find them there and you can you can play around. You can um, create a full preview of every story with your child in it or yourself in it because that's also fun. Um, choose your little picture and you can read the full story th- through so that people can decide if that's something that they think is going to work for them, that's going to gel with with them. Um, that's the place to go, mybigmoments.com. And we also um, have a really active profile on Instagram where a lot of people join us there because we do a, a lot of like infographic um, posts and posts that just help with different scenarios and sort of more niche scenarios with parenting, um, being a parent, helping kids through different things. So that's Amazing. also uh, where we release lots and lots of resources for people. Awesome.
0: Love it. Love yeah. that too, because it's not preachy. Like, I'm actually reading a couple of um, parenting books as a, like, as a narrator at the moment, and they're, they're great. But I was like, it's really hard when you feel as the parent you're being given all these tools and advice. And then you think, oh, God, what if I don't implement them properly? Mm. But if it's a book that the kid can read themselves
2: and then take the story, then mm. it's great. You can mm. take the step out of it Lovely. for the parent. <laughs> I suppose I should also say that that aimed for kids that have aged about two to seven, two to eight. My son's eight. He still enjoys reading them because he's in them. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> um, a darling little narcissist, but it does work at our favor sometimes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so he, he will read them to his sister or he'll read them to himself or we'll read them together and that it all works. Yeah. Awesome.
1: Love it. Yeah. Oh. There you go. There Love a go. good resource. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. It's all about the tools. Yes. Especially when it comes to the kids are tricky, you know. Oh. I was
0: actually thinking, if you know, when when you were pregnant and someone said to you, hey, guess what? There's going to be a period of time where you're going to have to live through a pandemic. It's kind of like the plague. It'll be fine. You going to parent through that. You'd be like, oh, maybe I don't want to do this. <laughs> maybe I don't
1: want to have children. <laughs> Change my I'm mind. Good, actually. i <laughs> oh,
0: That well, sounds like a lot of yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. Are there that's... rats involved? No, yeah. <laughs> no, no rats. Anyway, Hannah, so great to meet you. Enjoy Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us across the ditch and <laughs> uh hope the post- postman brought you something good that yeah. you've ordered online. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he so
1: did. <laughs> you know, Cecilia, every now and again, what happens? <laughs> I get to this part of the to this part of the episode and I get all excited about the review and there's not one.
0: I'm laughing at your, like, passion, the way you no. launch into this moment where you have to say, I've got nothing to give you. I know.
1: I'm oh sorry. God. I'm oh. sorry to the people.
0: I'm sorry to you. <laughs> sorry, I just felt like a little shake then.
1: Did you feel it? No
0: we had a little earthquake after oh. we've just spoken to our guest who oh. lived through an earthquake.
1: I didn't feel that. <gasps> yeah, um, Might have been your
0: text message
1: coming through. Might have been. Might have <laughs> been. slightly less problematic. <laughs> um, well, what a great – that yes. was really great. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Love it. I think there's something – I think, you know, it is particularly important, I think, to learn from other people when it comes to experiences and especially when it comes to kids because I don't know about you, I just – I often feel like I just am not doing this right. Oh, like,
0: gosh, everything. You know,
1: how's this going to screw them up later? <laughs> That's what I always ask myself. Are going to mess with them later? Yeah. So I think this is great to be able to, you know, be examples and help them to navigate through tough times. It's good. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot. Yes, it,
0: it is. It is. Yep. I wish I was a baby boomer right now. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Seems like they had it easy bringing us yeah, up maybe. in the 80s.
1: Hey, yes, Maybe. <laughs> Hey, you know, if you um, are feeling it, don't hesitate to come on over to Instagram. We are the Wellness Collective Podcast yeah, over there. that's where you'll find um, us. And that's where you find us and we have lots of fun things over there today. I'm pretty much going to get us to make some funny bloopers reel because it was pretty, <laughs> there was a few spots there that will be useful. But um, but we love to hear or see where you're listening to the podcast. We love to chat with you over there. So don't hesitate to share and tag us in Anything rele- relevant to yeah. what you're listening to the podcast or things that you'd like us to talk about or cover. If you've got a
0: question or a topic that mm. you, or a person that you would yeah, like us to exactly. talk to, please let us know because, mm. you know, when you start going down the rabbit hole of like you follow somebody and then yes. you follow somebody yes. else and then and then you're like, oh, my God, there's all these people I didn't mm. even know were out there and I've got these things yes. to talk about. So, yeah, share those things. I also want to say a big, um, you know, you, you're the curator in company of the Instagram account mm-hmm. and you did post something the other day which was um, Brad Pitt and Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio trying out a period cup mm-hmm. potentially good. and it just made me laugh it, a lot. Well that's so, good because
1: it's you know. pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> we, we aim to entertain over at the uh, Instagram <laughs> Wellness Collective <laughs> podcast <laughs> home base so come yeah. and check us out. Absolutely. Yeah. All
0: right well until next time mm-hmm. we hope this episode has left you feeling happier feel healthier, and better.
1: Listener.